Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. I'm Simon. And I'm Haney. We're Needy Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get extra value from technology. This is episode 220, recorded on April the 1st, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on needypintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. This is an interview that I did with Cecilia Jodman of Redgate, where we discuss diversity and inclusion. Cecilia, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Could you tell us who you are, what you do, and what on earth made you decide to come on this show? <laughs> Fair question. <laughs> um, so... For anyone who doesn't know me, and fair enough if you don't, um, I'm Cecilia. I work for Redgate, a software company um, based primarily in Cambridge. We do have offices globally, but I'm in the lovely, wonderful Cambridge in the UK. And I run Redgate's events. So I'm an events marketing manager. So I don't actually have a tech background, which is very ironic being on a tech podcast. But Essentially, what connects me with the tech community is sort of like my passion for diversity and for shaping a more inclusive and creating a more inclusive society and world that we can live in. And as a lot of us will know, the tech community and other spaces, but also the tech community has a couple of issues with um, diversity in general. Um, So, yeah, so I've just started doing a couple of talks. It started internally, actually, when I gave um, a talk internally at Redgate at an internal conference in 2020. Um, and after that, actually, Steve Jones, who probably a lot of you know, um, he approached me afterwards and said, this is great. Now do this externally. <laughs> and I said, OK, cool. Cool, Steve. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, so I started doing external speaking sort of like early 2021 during the pandemic, so all online. And then, yeah, done a couple in person now. And I guess that's why I'm here. That's why I've been invited, because obviously, uh, Alexander, you and the other makers of this podcast believe strongly in diversity and being equitable and inclusive. And you want to clearly hear more. That we definitely do. And unfortunately, neither Simon nor, nor Haney could make it today. So they, they've entrusted me, the oldest <laughs> and whitest guy in the group, to, uh, to do the, the discussions. They, maybe they thought you needed to learn the most. That might be the case. I, I can see that this is going to be a, a lovely conversation for sure. <laughs> we met the first time in Oslo. Was it 2021? No, it was last year. Ah, right. It just so feels it's, like forever ago. Fair enough. Was that your first um, foray to Norway and then speaking at the uh, Norwegian Data Saturday? Yeah, so it was the first time um, in Norway in general for me and also my first time at like in Oslo at the Data Saturday. And it was great. That discussion, it was... Uh, so I did another talk on DIB there. And... Even though it wasn't the fullest room, I think I had about eight people or so join that session. The conversations that you have, it's just like, it was so funny. It was really, really good, intense conversations because I think I finished a bit earlier my presentation and then just opened up the floor for discussions. And we overran in the end. 
because everyone wanted to talk and everyone had opinions and everything. And it's so hilarious when I afterwards when I told um, Grant Fritchie, so he's been so like supporting me with sometimes when I've got questions on talks and so on. He's been helpful as sort of like a bit of a mentor as well. And I said to him, look, they loved the session, clearly. The feedback was really, really positive and they engaged. And he was like, what you got the Scandinavians to engage in a session with you? Um, he was like, clearly it must have been really good because <laughs> in his sessions, they don't engage that much. So, yeah, I think it's just it's just really cool. People of all kinds of walks of life care about this topic. Um so yeah, so that's really cool to see. Indeed, and I mean the Nordics. Well, we are—I was about to say different—and you're you're just gonna nod at that. <laughs> but the the Finns are the most difficult crowd that I know of to get a response from. Uh, Norwegians and Swedes and Danes are easier—not easy, but easier. And then again, if the the topic is is relevant and interesting, then everybody just goes for it. And as you say. Yeah. Diversity and inclusion is extremely important. I, I keep harking on about tech is, I mean, tech is easy. It's about the people. That's hard because changing people's opinions and essentially changing the way they people think about basic things. That is super, super hard. I'm just going to ask you, what is it like organizing such a huge event such as the, the past summit? Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I don't know how much you know about sort of like the the history of um, Summit, but essentially, um, Redgate purchased it in um, early 2021, um, and and then we ran it as an online only event, which was really really cool because that meant we could open it up to a lot of people and we could try new things, and we really wanted to keep the feeling that people have with Summit and that they associate with sort of like that really great community event where it's just about learning and connecting. Keep that, but obviously also try and work and just make it our own and work on it because there are things to improve on. Um, so it's been it's been really, it's a blast. I think it's been a learning curve um, for everyone. I've had different roles and different responsibilities working on it. Um, and for me, for this year um sort of like one of my uh, focuses for summit is sort of like more on the dib aspect so last year as sort of like as we worked on summit we created um a steering group a dib steering group which consisted of sort of like a handful not a handful three really um redgate employees and then we brought in others from the community that we knew had expertise in areas that potentially we didn't have and that had um, just the connections and that cared passionately about DIB. Um, so we created that last year and then sort of like, because everything, mind you, we that was the second time we ran past Summit, right? Um, so for us, it was massive learning. And obviously we have, um, we have a, a lot of former um, past employees as well as part of Redgate, who support with that and just to have just the knowledge of how to run such a massive conference. Um, but yeah, we've taken that DIB a bit further and tried to come up with more than a, more of a strategy behind it. Um, 
that we're running. So we'll be doing a lot more work of that um, for that. You'll see um, when the registrations launch soon, um, we have a DIB statement that we'll be putting out. So we'll, we're doing a lot of work behind the scenes as well um, and trying to get help, have that steering group really help us keep on track with things that we need to do. And it's one of those things where it'll be incremental change, right? You can't from one day to the next just expect everything to be perfect. So I know there'll be probably be the odd thing where people are like, hmm, why aren't you doing that? Or this should be better. Or how about this? But it's always a process. And yeah, we'll 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 see. We're, we're all trying our best. We're all only humans. We all have our biases that we don't realize until someone calls us out on it that actually, yeah, why, why did no one think about this one particular thing, for instance? Um, but yeah. What I, what I can say, so the, when Redgate bought the pass brand, uh, there was a, well, you made waves in the community. I'll, I'll, I'll say that opinions all over people that said this is the best thing ever and people that said this is the worst thing ever. And which is while, fair enough. Of course. I mean, you you essentially have a lot to prove by putting on the past summit. The flip side of that is also that a lot of people saw Redgate and thought, okay, Redgate, they know this, it'll be perfect out the gate. <laughs> and as you said, you're human. That is not going to yeah. happen and it's if, even if even if you've been doing something like this, take bits. They've been doing it for years and years and years. They still make mistakes because they're human. Yeah. And I mean, we grew our team massively in the last two years. But the first um, summit that we ran, I mean, granted, that was online. Um, essentially, the entire production side, a lot of it was four people. I did all the production. I did all the tech by myself, so like with a couple of internal volunteers helping me run the sessions. But essentially, I oversaw an entire production of over 90 live stream sessions. Um, and I'd never done that before. So I think um, they sort of like, there just needs to be that kind of that recognition that when we're not a massive team and yes, we've we've grown and we've gotten the people in so like who have a lot more experience in certain areas that we needed, but we're still not a massive team. And you still claim that you're not in tech. <laughs> you oversaw all that and now you're not in tech. Okay, right. <laughs> well, don't ask me to code. No, and don't ask me to code either because nobody in the right mind would do that. There, there, there's so much more to tech than, than coding. But one thing that I wanted to talk to you about that mm -hmm. is, Redgate has always been um, on the forefront of uh, diversity, inclusion, and, and everything that, that goes with that. We were a number of people who reacted to the choices of the pre-con speakers for a past summit 2022. There was a vast majority of, well, white, old, male. How Could, could you talk a bit about how how do you choose pre-con speakers? Because I'm guessing that you need to make money out of it. You cannot just take people that, that are, nobody knows but are diverse. So how how do you do that? So the way we do it um, is that we have, I think, 14 pre-cons. 
And um, half of those, we reach out to people. So that's the one, those are the easier ones because we can make sure that we reach out to some people who we know will be a good addition. And also we can reach out to people who we think while they might not necessarily be people who'd submit themselves, but we'd really love to see them do something. And then the rest are from, yeah, just um, just submissions, right? Um, but I think sort of like, so I think there's a, there's a couple of different things on the pre-cons, right? So I think, first of all, yes, um, <clears throat> ethnicity wasn't the strongest representation. I completely agree with you there. I think one thing that is kind of was overlooked slightly and that's the tricky one obviously is sort of like hidden diversity so that's kind of um well maybe there is someone who on the face of it looks like just a middle-aged white man but all you see is really the small headshot right you don't really know potentially is that person actually maybe maybe disabled or maybe do they are they neurodivergent and that's sort of like easy to judge because from a small <laughs> headshot, you won't necessarily see that or know that of a person, right? Unless they openly talk about it and sort of like the community kind of knows that. So I think that's one thing is that we need to kind of consider all kinds of diversity. Um, and then I think the other big, big problem I think that the tech community has and that I think we can incrementally change and I think that's one that will take time is that pre-cons are pretty hefty commitment, right? And you need to be a pretty experienced speaker to do a pre-con. And the thing is, I think a lot of diverse speakers need to grow into that position and I think we need to still, I think we still, we're still at the stage where we need to do a lot of the groundwork where we get diverse speakers to even do like an hour session or a 20 minute session and then build up from there so that they eventually experience wise in a position to run a pre-con or with a mentor being able to sort of like do a co-speaking pre-con where sort of like they can lean on a more experienced speaker. So I think they're sort of like, I think there's sort of like that element of it as well, that as a community, we need to grow our speakers and we need to enable them as well to be to feel confident that to submit. Um, and yeah, just to have the experience, right? Because I think that's the whole thing, right? With um, it, it's It's not easy to, well, not easy for everyone at least, to write an abstract to come up with a good topic to fill a day's worth of training so and if you come from an underrepresented group you likely don't have that experience on how to even do that so it's that that it's that people need to grow first and they need and the, the community needs to help give platforms to people so um so i think really cool things that i've seen is some of the set today uh, the data and SQL Saturdays have introduced sort of like pre-con days as well, or workshop days, which I thought was really cool because that is sort of like a smaller, more local way for them to start trialing these things as well. So I think there's lo loads that needs to be done on that stage. But yeah, I think it's 
I think it's it's just sort of like everyone needs to pitch in on this. And it's easy, obviously, to point the finger at Redgate and be like, bad Redgate. Why did you do that? But I think in a way, um, it's sort of like it's a balance. And I think it's everyone's responsibility to help that things like that don't happen again. Um, and yeah, I've sort of like I've seen the list of um, of the seven people that we've reached out to for this year's summit. And they're definitely a diverse bunch. But obviously, we now sort of like also need them to accept <laughs> and want to speak, which is also not always an option for everyone. For sure. And I mean, the, the, the key takeaway here is that A, don't assume. But it's so easy to jump to conclusions. We see a bunch of white males. Clearly, Redgate dropped the ball on, on diversity and, and inclusion. And it's not that easy. No, anyone organizing a conference will know. <laughs> exactly. And that brings me to, to my next, next question. And, and this is probably the most important one. How can we as user group leaders and, and conference organizers make events more inclusive? Um, I mean, we want to make sure that we get an, an inclusive and, and um, diverse group of speakers and attendees, right? But there are only so many there is only so much we can do. And at the end of the day, if we cannot get diverse speakers, where does that leave us? Oh, that's a really good question. So um, I think it, it I think it does st really start with the speakers. Cause I think that's that's the representation, right? That's what diverse audiences will see and that's what will attract diverse audience as well. Right. Um, if like as a woman, if I see it's an all male lineup, will I want to go to that event? <clears throat> um, I wouldn't want to go to that event. No, no one wants to go to that event. No. Um, so, so I think it really starts with the speakers. And then, yes, like you said, it's the tricky one, because how do you. How do you get to those? But then I think there's things like, and that's where I think those communities need to be strengthened and supported. Like there's the WIT group, and then obviously there's the um, the diversity group as well. And they just reaching out to them, seeing if they've got any contacts, if they can recommend anyone. Um, reaching out to the diverse speakers that you do have or that you do know. Um, they will have, they will have peers. They will have people potentially that they know that they can recommend. Um, so I think it's sort of like trying to build that network a bit of people recommending other people as well, and then others supporting them. Um, and then the tricky bit is, and that's I guess that's where <laughs> the, the 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 really crux of it comes into it is obviously if you're running an event, say in Norway, um, you will have a lot of white people there because that's just the makeup of the tech community in Norway, right? And not every speaker will be able to travel to Norway because Norway is extremely expensive, as I discovered on just a dinner. Um, and so it's kind of figuring out how, if you've got, if you don't have the local pool of diverse speakers, figuring out where can I get some others because oftentimes they might not have the means but then could you still 
get them in and run a couple of like could you run one room as with just virtual sessions where you can have some of the more diverse speakers who might not be able to travel to join in um, and present sessions virtually is that an option um you tell me um so that's a way to potentially look at getting more speakers or also just something that that like we've done as well is internally looking internal so at redgate we've got lots of great talented people we have diverse people as well working at redgate who might not think or be comfortable at speaking so we'll see okay cool we've got this software engineer who can who can really explain sort of like our monitoring tool and do a great session on the monitoring tool but she might not feel comfortable or come up with sort of like have that sort of like that she needs that push essentially so we'd be like, okay, cool. How about you do a session with Grant and he can support you and he can sort of like go th- guide you through that process and you can do it together um, if you're not conf- co- comfortable yet. So I think that whole sort of like pairing up um, maybe less experienced speakers or just giving other people a push. I mean, Steve pushed me. Like, that's <laughs> see where I've gone. Um, and I think sometimes some people just, just need that nudge for them to get to get them there and then obviously look at things like dataverse events like that that actively try and groom new diverse speakers and reach out to them get but yeah it's hard to you can't essentially you can't just rely on people submitting i think you need to go beyond that you need to actively reach out and obviously that is a time constraint and that means putting in a lot of effort, but it's going to be worth it in the end. And I think that is the biggest takeaway, um, what you just said there. You, you, can, you can open up a call for content and you're going to have 50 male white speakers in 10 minutes, but you need to actively go find the diverse speakers. And my opinion is that if you run an event, it's your responsibility to do exactly that, to go find and, and don't stop until you do, uh, because yeah. they are there. There is no such thing as, well, we couldn't get any, any diverse speakers. I'm going to go bullshit on that. So <laughs> it's, it's not easy, but I mean, nothing that's worth anything in life is easy. No, exactly. And then, yeah, like I said, don't just look on, oh, let's get whatever your get goal might be, 20% female speakers or like that's the other thing if your goal is to um diversify your speaker pool right and and your speakers and you have say a target of i don't know i want to have 20 percent, pick whatever target um of diverse speakers it's also not good enough to be like cool yeah i've gotten 20 percent, but they're all women and i don't have a single person of color now or i don't have a single person who's uh, neurodivergent or disabled well, then, yes, you've sort of like you've done a great job on that front, but your event hasn't really been inclusive and that diverse and either then. So I think it's a lot of work and you need to think about a lot of things. And the other thing is just with the topic of diversity is regardless of what you do, and even if you've got the best intentions, someone will object to whatever you're doing. And... Uh, 
it's like you you can't ever please everyone that's the other thing and just yeah but if you know what you're trying to do and trying to be inclusive just yeah stay on that target indeed i mean try to be inclusive try to be uh transparent explain your thinking and sometimes things don't go the way they were supposed to but if you still can point to this is what i try to do it backfired that sucks we'll see what we can do for the next run so Simon asked me to ask you, because he had read <laughs> your um, latest post on LinkedIn about tackling violence against women. And I read that too, and I think it's a very important topic in itself. But he said, what do you say to those that think that this is not something that needs to be handled at work? This is something that should be pushed <laughs> towards the private or, or the, the personal side? Well, to those, I'd say... Um... And you can't swear. That's fine. <laughs> You're clearly not a woman. <laughs> um, those who would say that. Um, I would say um, it's clearly a thing. The thing is, though, violence against women doesn't start or stop anywhere, right? And if you're a woman, you can experience violence any time of the day, anywhere. It doesn't stop at sort of like if you leave the front door or if you walk across the street or in the office, doesn't doesn't stop. And that's the thing. Um, and that's why it's not, it shouldn't be relegated to the private life because we do spend a lot of time at work. And regardless of where you work, with the best intentions and the best companies, things do happen. And it might not be violence. It might just be sort of like an inappropriate comment, stuff like that. But... The problem that I'm trying to highlight is that it's a sort of like it's a cultural problem. Like it's a the way we think and the way we that influences the way we act around women. And that doesn't suddenly go away if you step into the office. Right. If you think that sort of like if you think that women are beneath you and that you're a superior being, that doesn't go away. Um, and the way you treat women in your private life won't just magically sort of like switch in the office. So I think it, it, it is every employer's responsibility, right, to ensure women's safety and well-being. And not just women, right? Anyone, any person needs to be safe at work. And that's every employer's responsibility. And that's sort of like the point that I'm trying to make. And how would you say that you change attitudes and and awareness around these questions i mean do you think there is any differences in in how to push for this awareness and and uh, uh attitude change if you compare europe to the u.s for instance um so yeah i mean obviously every culture is slightly different um but Essentially, most cultures globally are just sort of like has de have developed as patriarchies. And so that's sort of like that's the thinking. And that's where a lot of the culture and traditions and how we behave and act. And I mean, it's, it's simple traditions that we don't even sort of like realize that they are rooted in patriarchal thinking, where sort of like the male is the important one. He's the breadwinner. He goes out and it's sort of like it's anchored in language, in um, in our traditions, um, our 
customs. It's sort of like anchored into how we behave. So the thing is, all of those become almost unconscious bias. So they become sort of like so much internalized that we don't realize that we're doing these things until someone points them out. And that's sort of like what needs to happen. We need to sort of like just actively realize that A, we, we, we sort of like we, I say we, um, the Western Hemisphere um, has sort of like specifically sort of like is just rooted in white patriarchal thinking. And just to realize that and to realize, okay, cool, there are certain people, groups of people who have privilege in certain situations. And and the thing is, and I think that's sort of like, that's a, another thing that I'm, I try to always bring across. I'm not actively saying you, Alexander, are evil. Um, it's sort of like, it's the concept. And it's obviously like, it's not like you didn't choose to be a white man, right? You didn't choose the privilege, but it's what you do. Like it's recognizing that you have privilege and then what you do with the privilege. And that's the important thing. And it's so like, that's the piece that I want to change for people who, while we, while we're still trying on do, building a better society, is using whatever we can at the moment. Because as a white woman, I do, I also have privilege to a certain degree, right? I've got privilege that, like, I don't need to be afraid of the police in Europe, for instance, or in the US. That's privilege. And that has to do with my skin color, which I didn't choose. Like, I can't influence that, right? So, but, and no one's saying that that's the problem. The problem is sort of like how you act and what you do with what you've got. Because no one's saying that, Alexander, you are violent against women. The thing is, though, like, that's not what people are, like, that's not what the conversation is about. It's about, right, there are vulnerable groups. What do we do? to ensure that sort of like every woman is safe and that every woman doesn't have to sort of like live with that fear. And it's sort of like it's in how we act as well and how we behave, how sort of like walking down a street at night, how a woman has to walk down the street versus how a white man would walk, walk down the street versus how a black man would have to walk down the street at night, right? Because he faces other challenges right as well so so there's all these kind of things but that will influence how you act and how you behave and I think that's the important bit is just understanding what your specific privilege is and where you can then use the power that you have because it's all about power in the end right how you can use that to just create a safer world for everyone and like I said it that's not just in the in your private life that's also a work. Did you read the, I guess you could call it a bit of a fallout from the community keynote at SQL Bits? Um, some of it. Um, so I, I only know some of the bits. And also I do have to say that I am kind of biased because I am... Um, well, I think you can call us friends, me and Ben Wiseman. So I do know what he, well, I mean, I, I maybe he thinks of me as an acquaintance. I don't know. Um, but I do sort of like know where he's coming from and what his intentions are. And his intentions are the right intentions. 
And that's the thing, like, people might not appreciate what he's done or what he's trying to achieve. But I think he's shining a light on an issue. And I think that's the important bit, is to to just have the conversations. And sometimes you need to just throw a couple of stones to start the conversation, right? I mean, you are the keynote. I was. I, I, I was absolutely useless in the keynote. And, and again, top tip, if Rob or, or Ben comes and asks you to go sit on stage, don't do it because you're going to be a houseplant, which I was. But I was a very nice houseplant. But what I'm, I'm getting at is you said you need to throw a couple of stones. And I think that is very nicely put. We need to definitely throw stones. This needs to be drag out of, of, of the corners, kicking and screaming. We must shine a light on this. And we have a tendency to, in my view, be somewhat too nice about it. This isn't nice. This isn't fun. This is our community. And, and I think that we really need to really put a light on it and, and get people to wake up. That is going to um, step on some people's toes. But the thing is, it's not comfortable and it's not meant to be comfortable. And the response that I've given someone before when they were uncomfortable with something that I had said or written in that case is I didn't say that because I couldn't at that point. But my thought was immediately, did I make you uncomfortable? Perfect. That's exactly what I want. Because now that you're uncomfortable, that's when you start thinking. Because if you just nod along and agree, you're not thinking. You're just agreeing. I want you to think. I want you to question things. I want, to, I want you to be like, hang on, I disagree. Well, why do I disagree? And then maybe you realize that, oh, shoot, that was completely biased thinking of me. Let me do better next time. That's exactly what I think. That's where sort of like the uncomfort really helps. And obviously, calling out people's privileges is uncomfortable. Like no one wants to be like, oh, no, 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 I'm not part of the problem. But we're all humans. Like we, like this is a global thing. This is an everyone's involved situation, right? And it's not like you will be influenced by it and knowing and understanding that's the first step and that usually only happens when you disagree and when you're unhappy with something i absolutely agree no don't agree <laughs> damn it i don't agree but i do agree unfortunately we are out of time this has been a most delightful conversation thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on is there anything you want to add before we um, wrap up um so the only thing that i sort of like want to really encourage people and that's the easiest thing to do because I, I I think talking is fair enough but let's 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 all take one action after this I think look at allyship that's the easiest form that you can support underrepresented groups if you are not marginalized yourself or also if you are mar a marginalized um, person you can still ally with someone else so what I mean is sort of like I'm a white woman, um, but I can ally to be an ally to someone of color, for instance, right? And I can use my privilege based on my ethnicity to support someone who doesn't have that kind of privilege. That's what I mean. So everyone, literally everyone can be an ally 
to a certain group. Um, so look at allyship, look at what allyship means, look at what allies can do and how they can support people. Would you go as far as to say that everybody should ally? Yes. Did you need a long explanation? No. No, and <laughs> that, that's the thing. It's not harder than that. Just yeah. go be an ally. Be the best that you can be. Use your, your privilege to the hilt. And, and as you said, do good with what you have. Yeah. And the other thing is don't be downhearted or disheartened. It's the correct word, actually. If you get something wrong, right? If you, if you don't know that much about gender, for instance, or also like pronouns and you get pronouns of someone wrong, don't, so like, don't let that get you down. Just learn from that. And I think that's the important thing. Learn from things and, and then do better because we all won't get it right the first time. So again, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast. And I hope to meet you again at some event when you're not on vacation. <laughs> yes, I planned my holidays um, poorly this year. I admit that. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> so now that's, that's, that's going to be a fact. Super. <laughs> thank you very much and have a lovely rest of your uh, Saturday. Thank you. And again, thank you for having me and using your platform to talk about this issue. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need Even Tech. Need Even Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder and Heini Hilmaninen. If you have any feedback, questions or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at needeventech.com. 